0: And thank you so much for being here today with yours truly, Ellen Kamai, the natural nurse. And we actually have both of us in the house today. How are you doing, Eugene?
1: Good, Dr. Kamai. I'm doing great. Um, Hanging in there, had a nice holiday, had the crew up. So really, uh, it's time to uh, get back to work. And I'm so glad to join us as we uh, prepare for Our next Natural Alternatives event, which is uh, our trip to Jamaica.
0: Yep, we have lots coming up. And a very good thing to do is to go to naturalnurse.com and look at events. Because that's where we have all of our classes and workshops. For instance, we have the Natural Nurse Herbal Certification Course starting. We're actually taking registration for that because it sells out. And we have lots of people already registered for it. The live class doesn't start till March, um, close to when we also are having our yearly trip to Jamaica. And, you know, people can find out so much more, Dr. Z, by going to our website or by downloading in their app our radio shows, which are now also podcasts. So we've been doing this radio show since when? When did we start Natural Alternatives Radio Show, Doctor Z?
1: Well, Natural Alternatives started in 1990. <laughs> right. So, and then later on, we joined the uh, Progressive Radio Network when it's when when it first launched, which was a long a while ago now. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, we did. We started when Gary Null um, launched Progressive Radio Network, which you can find at prn.live. All the great shows here. We actually were one of the original shows, and at that time, I think we were calling it Radio Show. There seems to be a thin line nowadays between what's a radio show and what's a podcast.
1: Yeah, I I always laugh because everyone in creation does a podcast now, but very few were pioneers like you and I, and of course, Dr. Null, that actually did radio, (laughs) Where you, know, you have to. So, you know, I, I think it's great that, you know, everyone can listen to anything anywhere on the planet now, but it's it's kind of, uh, I think we can hold that up as a badge of honor that we kind of were old timers, trailblazing.
0: <laughs> it's true. But I'm really thrilled because we get emails through naturalnurse.com where anyone can get in touch with us um, from all over the world. It's amazing. And they do say they've listened to. The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. That's how you find this particular podcast, which you get a new episode pops up on my phone every week because I downloaded it, as well as other shows that we have, such as Herbally Yours. That's another one we have that pops up. And if you go to our website, there's so much free content. There's so many articles that we've written, so many videos that we've done, lots of stuff for anyone interested in many aspects of natural medicine. And let's talk about... Yeah,
1: yeah, I was just going to say, they should watch our documentary that came out on our work in the uh, rainforest of Jamaica with Jamba of the the Maroons, uh, the late great shaman and medicine man, bush doctor, carver, and Master Farmer, that's for sure, um, who lived in St. Mary Parish, which is a rural parish, about two hours north of Kingston. And um, yeah, I met him a really long time ago and began a whole relationship with him. And of course, you came down and introduced you to Jamba. And, uh, you know, he taught us and actually, in a vision, said that it was okay to share his knowledge with us and chronicle it. Um,
0: More than it. okay. More than okay. And yeah. you know a lot of this information is in our book. We've written many, many books. Just go to naturalnurse.com books and you'll see many of them there that you can get immediately on Amazon. A lot of them are available as eBooks as well. A lot of them are available as Kindle versions, including the Natural Nurse Uh, the natural medicine chest. And in the natural medicine chest, we document a lot of Jamba's teachings and we have pictures of him digging yams. We have a picture of him in his beautiful grass shack. Um, We have pictures of all the things. And not only did he say it's okay for us to use it, he requested us to document his work
1: yeah that's unusual because you know in many many cultures this information is you know kind of like passed on through teacher and student and and within their own cultural confines but you know he in a vision he thought that we were the right people to share this wisdom which you know when a shaman dies it's like a whole library of information burning down because they've accumulated so much information over their lifetime and many lifetimes maybe of information because it's shared from uh, grandmother grandfather teacher to student and vice versa so you know to get that to have that honor was just amazing and that's that's what prompted us to continue even after his passing or crossing over to continue the to journey to Jamaica. And now, of course, there are other younger Bush doctors that he trained and are very knowledgeable that help us when we go to Jamaica on our tour, which is called Eco Tours for Cures. And that was the subject of a documentary that's on YouTube now that certainly if you get in contact with us at that email, naturalnurse.com or Dr. Z Naturally, or at Jamaica we, we even have Jamaica Ecotours for Cures, all plural, email uh, at gmail.com. You can kind of, we can send you a link and you can watch the video. It's great because it shows us um, that there's so many herbs that came from the Caribbean that became spices and became part of the tr- herbal trade and Are used for food and medicine so many of them we encounter on this trip which is available and open to nurses and doctors and photographers and just people that are kind of what i call reggae reggae files they just love jamaican culture and reggae music to experience a part of jamaica that still is very pristine you know it's interesting. Jamaica is, uh, you know, small island, very built up in a lot of areas, but there are there are very rural areas still, and this is one of the very few areas of the coast that has maintained its ruralness, because most of the coast has the beach, and the beach is, draws the tourists, and the tourists draw the money, and follow the follow the money trail, as they say. But this area. It's interesting. The highway goes inland, and it leaves this thirty or forty mile stretch of natural coastline, uh, pristine, as almost as when the Arawak Native people, the Car- part of the Carib Indians tribe, were were um, you know there. And it's it's just great to see that still. Knock on wood, it stays it stays nice, and they make a national park out of that area. But um, I know there's movements in Jamaica to do so, to keep that pristine. But that's kind of where we, that's our center, our hub for our eco tours. And we stayed a beautiful place, which is uh, called Strawberry Fields uh, Together. Beautiful place. You can actually go online if you want to see the accommodations. Uh, you know, and it's funny. I was talking to a guy, Dr. Kamai, who, in the 70s went to strawberry fields where the Beatles stayed there and bob marley stayed there and the stones stayed there it was a real hippie counterculture kind of place with just tents and grass shacks and things like that it's it's beautiful now more masonry more beautiful areas of um you know cabana area type things uh, but um still maintaining its natural beauty but a little bit a little bit better than staying in the grass shack like Like you and I have stayed in over the years there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so it's a comfortable place to stay, but it's still very um, ingrained in the natural because up there on the northern coast of Jamaica, there's very little development still. Although now they have cell phones. We used to go there how many years ago. Uh, It was hard to get in touch. Remember, we had to call one person who lived in the town who had a landline phone. And they would have to run out into the jungle, basically, to tell the people that were coming because there was that's no right. way to contact and then hope, them.
1: And then hope that we we got the message when we showed up. It, knock on wood, it worked out more, more times than none. But, yeah, that's true. So things have gotten a lot better now, that's for sure.
0: Right. And but, it's uh, still such a, such. you just feel like you're really leaving civilization and going to – A pastime of you know kind of innocence so many people are knowledgeable about the wild plants that grow there that you can use as food and medicine
1: yeah like one of one of my favorite plants down there is when we first get down there you know or we're a little bit achy and sore from the travels and we're ready for you know be in the tropics because you know there's a song by Bob Marley coming in from the cold. You don't have to worry about that down in Florida, but we do us northerners. <laughs> but anyway, it's so nice to feel that sunshine on your skin again. And the Jamaican dogwood, we usually have the Jamaican dogwood tea as our, because every night when we're at on the the trip, we have a, a particular tea that's picked out by one of the bush doctors and myself so that the students or, Travelers, ecotourists, can experience the various plants. And the Jamaican dogwood, in our book, we call it the bark that takes the bite out of pain. Jamaican dogwood was used as an anodyne or painkiller by medical doctors in the late 1900s. Sorry, late 1800s, moving into 1900, the eclectic doctors. It's a powerful herb to relieve PMS. And it was used by the maroons and other people because it turns out Jamaican dogwood grows in Florida, grows in. So I read, I remember I was at the, um, the, the Florida, uh, one of the botanical gardens in Sarasota. And they were talking about that it was used by the local native people for pain. Interesting that they, they're using it for pain. Jamaicans using it for pain. Other people in the tropics using it for pain. Do you think that these people communicated, Dr. Kamai, or was it just sort of uh, common knowledge?
0: Well, first of all, of course, we have seen this happen. They used it in fishing because they throw the bark of Jamaican dogwood, for instance, in the water, and it makes the fish anesthetized where they don't swim fast and they almost, they're not dead, but it just slows them down. And then they jumped in and catch the fish with their hands. Right. So maybe uh, some eclectic doctors saw that and, and thought, this was even, of course, before testing for active constituents, which we can do now. And said, this thing must be a sedative. And then, of course, the native people who lived there also made it for tea for people who were in pain as well.
1: Yeah, I just got a. I just got a a, a text from one of our Jamaican uh, folks down in, in Strawberry Fields. She's one of the cooks down there, and she was saying, "Doctor Z, what was the what was the formula that you guys made when you were down there?" Of course, everyone has WhatsApp now. <laughs> so, um, what was the formula that you used? Uh, for I have a pain in my leg. I have sciatica, and you know, I gave her the pain, and and that was based on that in the maroon culture used the tea and topically for neurologic pains like sciatica, toothaches, crust extremities, and migraines. A poultice of the root was tied around sprains as a potent anti-inflammatory. And that's exactly what I told her to do. I said, go, you know the tree because you've been on our tour and, um, you know, Grind it up and make a poultice because poultices are very powerful. They're used a lot in Chinese medicine, not as much in Western medicine. Although Western medicines have used, you know, certain things um, topically, but mostly ice, which, you know, is, is okay. But I know in Chinese culture, they don't like to use ice for injuries because they think it stagnates the area, whereas Jamaican dogwood helps move move the energy, move the blood. And the idea is if you move the blood, then you don't, then the pain vanishes. Plus it seems to impact the central nervous system. Uh, It has got a lot of different chemicals in it where, and it was when they would want to use opium, the MDs, uh, the eclectic doctors to control pain, but it could not be tolerated. They used Jamaican dogwood to help the patients So that they'd get a good night's sleep because the pains usually would keep them awake and i experienced that you know when i broke my hand a couple of years ago in karate breaking uh, bricks for black belt training um i hit it wrong and got a boxing fracture and that was very painful and i used the jamaican dogwood i tied the jamaican dogwood around my around my hand and boy did it really help so i took it internally too And between those two things, I was able to sleep until I could get to the hand doctor the next day. So Jamaican dogwood, very interesting plant.
0: It is. And as you said, it was used prolifically by the eclectic physicians. And what does eclectic physicians mean, Dr. Z? You threw that term around. I know what that means. But let's talk more about that for our listeners.
1: Yeah, well, and... uh, in the late 1800s, there were many types of medical doctors. Believe it or not, there were homeopathic medical doctors, and then there were the uh, the uh, hydropathic medical doctors, which you know, used water mostly to heal. Like Russell Troll. he ran a school in New Jersey and Pennsylvania on the Delaware River, um, the Hygienic School. There were nature cure medical doctors that believed in fasting and cleansing. And then there was another group called the Eclectics. And they they were eclectic because they borrowed from many different herbal disciplines across um, across the world, actually. And so they were privy to a lot of knowledge about herbs globally way back in the late 1800s. And they had very active community of schools and training and residencies mostly centered around Cincinnati, but yeah, they were, um, and and they wrote some of the most authoritative books on herbal medicine that we even see till today. Like um, Dr. King was one of the deans of the eclectic schools and he wrote uh, the King's dispensary. A dispensary is like a herbal, Repository, a big, big fat book <laughs> with lots of information about and the it, earth, what they it's look so like. So
0: accurate. So yeah. you know, people can get a hold of that too, because remember, you and I went to the Lloyd Library, which was where many of these books are still kept. The difference is now, anybody can visit the Lloyd Library virtually at any time and see inside all of these old books without actually going to the Lloyd Library.
1: Right, because many many of the original copies would probably disintegrate. So, yeah, they have done a good job in even digitizing them um, as well. And some of them are, you could, Michael Moore, the famous herbalist from Southwest area of the United States, the late Michael Moore, uh, not the film guy, <laughs> different Michael Moore, uh, but amazingly, a brilliant herbalist. Uh, he got lots of these books digitized, and so if you go to like Southwest School of Botanical Medicine, and then you go to their website and follow a couple of clicks, you can actually download quite a bit of these great herbal books from the eclectic period. But they were, you know, they were doctors that used they. They actually. They actually were the first, do- well, the first doctors to write extensively about echinacea and golden seal, and made them very popular back in that time period um, when herbal medicine was still kind of like you know people making teas and you know things like that. They were they made highly reproducible, standardized extracts, which were called specifics. Um, by this guy, Scudder. He was another herbal uh, eclectic doctor. So there was a whole bunch of them. There's Felter, Scudder, King. They were were the biggest ones, um, which, again, were uh, called the eclectic school. And they they were medical doctors who really popularized herbs and became really knowledgeable, including getting people really knowledgeable about Jamaican dogwood and many herbs across the world.
0: So many that you mm. we teach about right there in Jamaica. You get to meet the plants. By the way, most of them also grow in my hometown right here in Southern Florida. A lot of mm. the plants are the same plants that we get in Jamaica. We also get in Southern Florida, so it's it's really great to get to know your plants and get to be able to use them for medicine. And going on our trip, which is called Echo Tours. Cures. And like Dr. Z mentioned, um, there's a wonderful, I guess you would call it documentary. It's right on YouTube. All you have to do is go to youtube.com and type in Echo T- Tours for Cures, a retrospective journey. And it pops right up. And it's actually like over an hour long. You can watch the whole thing. Of course, it's free. And in that, you actually do get to see some of the things you're talking about, about what you'll actually do on our Jamaica journey.
1: Yeah, like experience some of the great foods of uh, Jamaica that are also medicines. Like one of my favorite is uh, soursop. Uh, Soursop tree is a native of tropical America and is found in many of the Caribbean islands and is so popular uh, with the local people and people coming. Actually, on our last couple of minutes on the island, we always stop in Kingston to an ice cream shop, Dr. Kamai, where they have sorbets and ice creams with all these tropical fruit flavors. Oh, that's amazing. So soursop, it's so hard to describe what it tastes like, but think of uh, you know the, just a medley of different fruits all put together in a blender, it's wonderful, but it turns out that the leaves of the soursop are used as a folk remedy in Jamaica for sleep and putting, uh, allaying pain and helping anxiety and helping blood pressure. They've actually done some research at the University of West Indies where they've looked at soursop for these conditions. And it's also called in the Spanish-speaking tropics. It's called guanabana. So you probably maybe have encountered that at a local grocery store that sells more ethnic kind of groceries and whatever. Oh yeah,
0: you can. You also can buy it as where they have it as a frozen paste. Oh, that's Spanish delicious! Really. There. Yeah. If you go also, like what the kind of place you're talking about, right? Like an ethnic grocery store. We have lots of them here in southern Florida because, of course, we have people from Jamaica, Haiti, uh, all kinds of Caribbean islands. And that's actually a pretty common item. And they have it in the frozen section. And it's great because it's just like fresh when you defrost it.
1: Right. So that's the fruit, which tastes yummy. But it turns out that the leaves of the guanabana, has very medicinal properties. And it binds to these GABA receptors, uh, which are these kind of important receptors along the nervous tract, which downregulate active inflamed nerves or anxious thoughts by people. And many drugs have been mirrored and copied based on the GABANergic system. Drugs like Xanax, for instance, people know. Xanax is a common one for anxiety. Um, and so Jamba used to say that, you know, this this makes your nerves relaxed and makes you, is, is what they call a true nerve, a nervine, where it could be used regularly. It's even so safe that even little baby it's used to allay crying of, of infants in Jamaica. So... Yeah, that's another one we experienced there. We have that as we add that to the tea with the Jamaican dogwood to give us a good night's sleep. But I think we have to take a break, and we want to play our natural medicine chest, which is a show that we do and we've done for many, many years, which became the name of our book, The Natural Medicine Chest. And in this one, we're going to talk about cinnamon, another herb that we experienced on Eco tours for Cures in Jamaica.
0: Yeah, that's the bark, and we'll talk about that when we get back. So we'll be right back with more right here on The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. You can always find us at naturalnurse.com or drznaturally.com. We'll be right back with more.
2: On this edition of The Natural Medicine Chest, we'll discuss a nerve we all know and love, Cinnamon.
3: Ah, the spicy, sweet smell of cinnamon. Everyone recognizes the familiar aroma of this common kitchen spice. But did you know that cinnamon is an exotic plant bark with a long history of medicinal use in many countries throughout the world? Cinnamon was listed as an herb with medicinal properties in Chinese literature as early as 2700 B.C. It is described in the Chinese medical text, the Tang Materia Medica, written in 659 A.D. Cinnamon also enjoys traditional use in Ayurvedic medicine, the ancient healing art of India. It is mentioned in the Book of Moses and has been cultivated in Ceylon and Sri Lanka since 1200 A.D. where much of the world's supply is still grown.
2: In Europe, cinnamon was regarded as a rare and precious spice. Many pharmaceutical substances such as cough syrups and digestive tonics contain cinnamon. It was also used as an incense and in perfumes. According to Chamberlain, writing in France in 1887, cinnamon possesses the greatest antiseptic properties. Cinnamon is gathered from the dried inner bark of the branches of a small tropical evergreen laurel tree. The bark is peeled off and as the pieces are dried, they curl up into quills. These are the common cinnamon sticks that are used in herb teas and for baking.
3: In Chinese medicine, cinnamon is one of the most widely used warming herbs to aid in circulation and digestion. It is a common ingredient in small amounts in tea used for nausea during pregnancy. It is also used following delivery to decrease hemorrhage. Cinnamon raises vitality, warms and stimulates all the vital functions of the body, counteracts congestion, improves the digestive system, relieves abdominal spasms, and aids in peripheral circulation. The essential oils contained in cinnamon include eugenol, cinnamonic aldehyde, methyl eugenol, tannins, and mannitol, which gives cinnamon its sweet flavor. It also contains cinzenolin and cinzenilol, which are Both known insecticides
2: try putting some liquid soap and cinnamon in a spray bottle and use on plants as an organic bug repellent cinnamon is also included in many medicinal recipes that are used for lice scabies and other skin parasites Cinnamon has antifungal, antiviral, and bactericidal activities. It has been shown to suppress E. coli, staphylococcus, and candida albicans.
3: So listeners, the next time you inhale that sweet, spicy aroma, remember there's more to cinnamon than meets the nose as you reach into your natural medicine chest.
0: But it was, that great. was great we, uh, we had
1: cinnamon we did that I did many things first of all we had it for Thanksgiving with the family and then I also did that trick where I brought in some you know house plants to get them out the cold and they had these like infestations of of mealy bugs and things and I took the cinnamon with a little soap sprayed it on there bug problem gone so very Dr. Z, you brought
0: That's in all those plants. I was just at Dr. Z's house recently. And I know sometimes he brings in so many plants, there's no room for people to live in. <laughs> I said he... Yeah, and I hurt
1: my back, but it's better now. Oh, but
0: oh no, anyway. because those trees are getting so big.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to take up that whole front room
0: them. where the window is.
3: Now it's a jungle.
0: <laughs> I bet, I bet. I know your wife is like, uh oh, the plants are coming in. But they do look beautiful all summer. And it's amazing that you get a lot of these plants because you have such a deep interest in ethnobotany that even though you live in an area of Connecticut that's up in the mountains and quite cold, you get a lot. It looks like a tropical rainforest at your house in the summer.
1: That's true. You can grow. There are species of bananas that you can now grow that have become popular. When I first got into it in the, 90s. No one knew about it. It was like an oddity. Uh, but now there are so much, there's so much on the internet about growing musabaju. That's the Latin for the uh, Japanese fiber banana, which actually can survive the cold. Of course, it doesn't survive above ground, but what you do is you cut it back and you just mulch it a little bit and it survives and then comes back In April, and you know, the banana is such a great uh, plant. It's actually a herbaceous uh, plant. It's not a tree, even though Harry Belafonte sung, you know, up high in banana tree, yellow bird, up high in banana tree, that great, the late great Harry Belafonte, but bananas are like really an amazing plant. We talk about it in our natural medicine, just, you know, they grow in one season, Dr. Kamai. It it sprouts and then it grows, you know, 16, 17, 20 feet, my bananas now. It's amazing. We don't really get too much fruit because you need an 18-month frost-free cycle in order to bear fruit. But, you know, you can actually cheat it. But anyway, bananas are power-packed with all kinds of vitamins, A, B6, and C, and a good source of potassium. Um... Certainly very popular in breakfast around the world, and uh, whether it's green bananas or, or regular bananas or fried bananas or plantains, they are a very amazing starch that feeds hungry people all over the, the world. <laughs> but they're really good for a lot of things. Like, for instance, they have um, these things that kind of keep the colon a very fed, which are called FOS. So we've used these things. I remember in school, Dr. Pizzorno using, um, Joe Pizzorno is of course a well-known naturopathic doctor and founder of Bastyr University, but he taught us that you can use plantain or bananas for irritable bowel disease and colitis. And I think we know that because even in Western medicine, uh, it's part of the brat diet when you have you know, like the, the runs and diarrhea, you know, bananas and toast and things like that. Um, plantains and bananas are very good for constipation, so they have this balancing effect. Sometimes they help with constipation, sometimes they help with loose bowel, so they kind of balance people out there. Unripe bananas have, have a long and successful use in the treatment of ulcers, colitis, and GI problems, including... Uh, research in the British Journal of Pharmacology, helping to repair damaged tissue. So bananas are really good, uh, Doctor Kamai. The banana skin is used as an antiparasitic. Jamba would always how, wait a
0: minute. How it. would you? How would you use a banana skin that way?
1: Well, he would mix it with, believe it or not, they they would mix it with a little bit of kerosene, um, or some other things, some other herbs, and they create like a poultice and put it right on the area of scabies and things like that and he used to say that it would kill all the parasites um, and I've actually seen him I remember a man who had some type of a a bot fly he, maybe he was diabetic and the tissue was necrotic and the fly had you know laid its larvae in the necrotic tissue and there was a there was a parasite in there And he drew the parasite out with the banana and the kerosene oil, which was just amazing to see. (laughs) You know, Bush medicine right at its, you know, right right at the source, that's for sure. Um, Then for sleeplessness, they would have a couple bananas before bed as a good source of serotonin.
0: So that's actually a very interesting tip. That if people Mm -hmm. are eating bananas, a good time to eat it is towards the end of the day because it can be, have, you know, a mild sedative effect. Well, if you have it for breakfast, you might get hungry and tired before lunch because it does raise the blood sugar quite a bit as
1: well. Good points. Yeah. Yeah. Good points. So, another one that, another one of my favorite. Uh, herbs that we use down in Jamaica that's well known and and researched is ginger. Ginger and clothes. We'll have to redo some of those natural medicine chests and do a couple more of these things. But ginger, you you know, I was just reading a study. One of our papers we wrote uh, sent me on like one of these internet goose chases and I was looking up references on ginger and found that a group of nurse practitioners in New Zealand, maybe it was Australia, they did a study where they use a ginger poultice. So they graded up the size of ginger, maybe the size of your thumb, and they left it on the knee. This was a study on osteoarthritis and the people reported subjectively and objectively with some other parameters that their arthritis felt better. So that was a really interesting affirmation of what we've known for a long time that uh, ginger is a powerful anti-inflammatory. Do You ever use ginger for anything, Dr. Kamai?
0: Well, of course. And in our book, The Natural Medicine Chest, we have some great recipes, one that you put together um, called Dr. Z's Ginger Bar Zing, which is a drink. And then also how to make a ginger poultice. And I particularly like Using poultices, especially in communities of individuals who might be on lots of other pharmaceuticals, such as geriatric patients, and then they get a swollen joint. And rather than giving them yet another drug, because all those drugs interact with each other, we can use a ginger poultice and externally. It goes through the skin and has quite an excellent result without actually interfering with the pharmaceuticals. Super easy to make. Anyone can do it at home. Ginger is widely available, even in a regular mainstream grocery store. So I love all the recipes in our book, The Natural Medicine Chest. And it's such an easy book to get. You just type in The Natural Medicine Chest or Dr. Z's name or mine, And you will find it. You can go to our website, naturalnurse.com, under books. All our books are listed there. And it's available as in, uh, what do they call it? Not an ebook. They call it something else. But it's very, very inexpensive. And you get it instantly. And you can read through the whole thing and see the pictures of Jamba, as well as Dr. Z's Zinjivar Zing, and how to make a ginger poultice.
1: Yeah. One of the the things that Jamba taught us was... uh mix ginger root allspice leaves or cloves and white rum and that would make a liniment now liniments are kind of loose they're not like salves which are kind of like creamy and greasy liniments are like loose and you put it on there and you do a very very uh vigorous uh embrication is the old word or friction rub which is uh talked about by you know, Edgar Casey and a lot of these folks doing a friction rub. And this was a liniment that was applied for rheumatism. Now they also use, they do make it into a salve where they use coconut oil. And of course, we have a lot of workshops in the summer where we make salves. So people could get on the mailing list when we do our next fun shops. We'll have to figure out those dates for the next coming year, Dr. Gamay. But, yes, absolutely. But
0: yeah. About
1: that. But yeah. But it said that uh, this can be rubbed directly into the afflicted joints, and it gives instant relief. And the good thing about ginger is not only does it block these prostaglandins and leukotrienes, which are these painful inflammatory chemicals, but it also draws fresh blood into the area. And again, that Chinese idea that if you bring fresh blood into an area, you get rid of the stagnation, when sometimes when you get injured the body likes to wall off the area and sort of as a protective mechanism but that can be detrimental because you want to get fresh blood in there and get the waste products of injury out and so by stimulating circulation of which ginger is probably one of the best things i mean when people drink ginger tea they feel warm all of a sudden even if they're freezing cold and that's that's no coincidence Ginger is very warming spice and and really enhances circulation. So I, I would say people that have Raynaud's disease, cold hands and feet and if they have lots of nausea. This is actually was studied at Brigham Young University by Daniel Mowry, who wrote a whole book on ginger, I remember in the 1990s and they they like took people and they put them in one of these NASA things that spun them around and, you know, to the point where they were almost uh, sick to their stomach. And those that took the ginger uh, didn't get sick to the stomach. Um, And they said it was better than Dramamine, which is, of course, commonly used for people that have motion sickness or car sickness or want to take a cruise or something like that and they're afraid of going on the boat. So ginger is very good for that. Listen, it's so
0: interesting the way you said it's warming, Dr. Z, because truthfully, as we work with herbalists, and that's a big part of what I do is work with people who would like to become herbalists, and I'm a mentor for them to walk them through the procedure to become a knowledgeable herbalist. And one of the very important things there is actually looking both at the traditional use and the studies, just like what you're bringing up. And there are so many studies. Here's another one that we find during our trip, the Echo Tours for Cures, and we can find this growing all over the place. And that is called bitter melon, also called mamortica. That is a really interesting herb that is on the list of it's also called sericea.
1: Yeah, sericea is uh, one of the most well-known botanicals for the treatment of diabetes. And they actually, in the 1950s or 40s, I can't remember the exact date. I have the reference somewhere. This doctor from India actually isolated a uh, chemical in it, which he termed pea insulin, plant insulin, because it really mirrored exactly the function of insulin in the body. Here's a plant, and yet it seemed to bind to the insulin receptors and do all the things that insulin does, which allows sugar to get inside your cells versus staying outside your cells, which is so common in both type 1 and type 2 diabetics. It's so true. Mm -hmm.
0: Besides the traditional use, um, the amount of studies, for instance, on the hypoglycemic efficacy and safety of Momordica tarantia, which is bitter melon, specifically in patients with type 2 diabetes, is widely um, studied. And so if any physician should say that herbal medicine has not been studied, that's just wrong, just incorrect, they ha- it has been widely studied as well as really having thousands of years of traditional use. And is in most cases just as effective as other newer pharmaceutical drugs, much more cost effective and actually much safer if we look at the possible adverse effects. So I truly believe after my many years of studying this since 1964, yes, that's with the six. That herbal medicine should be used as part of a first line of intervention, along with such things as deep breathing and various exercises and, of course, food first. Um, That just makes sense rather than just adding on one prescription drug after another.
1: Yeah, and people, you know, with diabetes, it is easier to manage because people have these things that they wear on their arm that gives them instant feedback as to what I they're doing. I love
0: that, by the way. there There's an instance of something new mm-hmm. that I think is fabulous. Because if you yeah. get, I'm not sure how that's put in. I don't know if it has to be surgically implanted. Do you know about that technology, Dr. Z? how people get that little thing on their arm where you can take an automatic blood sugar reading?
1: I actually don't know how it's actually Attached to the arm. That's a good thing. I think it's
0: a pretty simple thing. It's not like a whole surgery deal. But in any event, knowing automatically and in real time what you eat and how that affects your minute to minute blood sugar level is fabulous. And actually, not only for diabetics, because keeping that glycemic, keeping to low glycemic index foods and keeping that blood sugar down, which is something that bitter melon does is actually beneficial for most people and is linked to such effects as avoiding cancer, for instance, as well as diabetes. So bringing down the inflammatory markers, as well as bringing down those constant blood sugar spikes, both of which are closely linked to what you might call a standard American diet with lots of fat, lots of sugar, lots of uh, ultra processed foods, all of which lead to increased inflammation, and giant spikes in blood sugar. So something like knowing how to use that meter so that you can experience, okay, well, this is what keeps me level. Um, it's, it's really a phenomenal thing. But keeping that blood sugar down is linked to every positive parameter of health, and that's where bitter melon comes in. You know, Dr. Z, we're up to um, another break right now right here on The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. And we invite people while we're taking the break to look for Echo Tours for Cures. And that's both the website, a Facebook page. You can find all kinds of pictures there about what we're talking about. And you can think about coming on an Echo Tour for Cures with us. Our next one is going to be in March uh, 2024, which is coming up around the corner any minute, 2024. So we will be right back with more right here on The Natural Nurse and Dr. Z. Z, I was talking about our book, The Natural Medicine Chest, our trips to Jamaica, echo tours for cures, and other exciting herbal medicinal adventures. And I'd love to bring up one, Dr. Z, um, which is also in our book, The Natural Medicine Chest, and on our tour. And that's a plant that most people are very familiar with, which is pineapple. And I'll never forget when you were in medical school um, of the wonderful experiment that you did looking not only at pineapple, but active digestive enzyme that it contains known as bromelain.
1: Yeah, and we couldn't find any, which was interesting because then we pieced it together that the professor didn't realize that when the pineapple is irradiated, which it many times is, I guess, getting even from Hawaii to the mainland that denatures the bromelain, which is an enzyme in the pineapple designed to ripen it, but it has a myriad of powerful functions. Now, one of the tests that I run on a lot of patients, Dr. Kamai, is called fibrinogen. And it's, it's the amount of this protein that people have in their bloodstream that thickens their blood, Almost to like tomato ketchup. And if you don't get rid of this protein on a regular basis, it can certainly increase your risk of stroke. So, as part of a preventive maintenance strategy, we want to know what people's bromelain, sorry, what people's fibrinogen is. And if it's high, one of the things that I prescribe is to take the bromelain as an enzyme on an empty stomach so it gets absorbed into the into the bloodstream and starts to dissolve this proteinaceous slag they used the old germans would call it and once it does that then the blood can flow freely because you know blood is life (laughs) so that's kind of a little bit of a story of of bromelain
0: well it seems in every ancient medicinal tradition such as traditional chinese medicine ayurvedic medicine um, native american medicine as well as medicine from the Caribbean, they all talk about gunky stuff that blocks things. But yet that concept is so devoid in conventional medicine.
1: Well, the only thing that they focus on a lot is cholesterol blocking things. They're certainly very focused on that, that's for sure. But other things that block the energy or chi or life force or the lymph, or the blood is you're you're right is not really addressed as well. Um, sometimes sometimes they are of course. But.
0: Well, let's say let's say with the, some situation that you have lots of mucus in conventional medicine we'll use decongestants, but I find those actually make the situation worse over time. Let's say for a sinus infection, it will dry up that more liquid type mucus and harden it into right. something that then develops into a really uh, unretractable, deep sinus infection, rather than using loosening herbs that we would use as herbs, which will get the mucus out, such as elecampane and mullen. So I think it's like totally backwards.
1: Yeah, on Mullein's one that probably only grows up in the Jamaican mountains, but which by the way, it's funny, when you go up to Jamaica, The mountains there are so, well, they're not super tall, but considering that you go from sea level to the mountains in like 20 something miles, and you go from sea level to like 7,500 feet, that's pretty, that's pretty mountainous. It's so pretty up there. We
0: We go up there and we pick coffee, which is so much fun.
1: Right. So yeah, there's a lot a lot to our our wonderful eco tour trip but one other plant before we sign off that's very medicinal and interesting and delicious and has been the subject of a famous song by bob marley is called guava jelly that's the name of his song guava is a very interesting tropical fruit that is native to tropical america and the caribbean islands in other words it was found there and used by the Arawaks. but one thing about guava is it's the, one of the only fruits, Ellen, that lowers your blood sugar. Now, most fruits, when you eat them, you could wear that glucose monitor thing that you're talking about, and it spikes up your sugar. Some some fruits more than others, and some people are more susceptible than others. But nonetheless, the guava will actually lower the sugar. And this was done in, in a study in Taiwan in a medical school Um, where they showed that it actually lowered the blood sugar. So guava juice, if it's fresh and pure, not added with corn syrup and garbage like that, is actually a good fruit juice for a diabetic to start their day with, for instance, versus orange juice or some other juice that spikes up their blood sugar crazy. Um, The other thing is that the leaves of the guava have been used as medicine all throughout India, for patients and particularly young kids that have uh, developed terrible diarrhea and dysentery. And it's actually saved the lives of thousands and thousands and thousands of young children who are very susceptible to getting these enteric, what they call enteric infections. So that's guava and it tastes great as a jelly, like uh, the song by Bob Marley, Guava Jelly.
0: I had a perfect explanation. So yeah, that's so really I think good we're to know. Time. Well, we're close to running out of time, but we would yeah. like to invite people to visit our website, naturalnurse.com or drznaturally.com. And don't we have both a Facebook page and a website for Echo Tours for Cures?
1: Yeah, the, the Facebook is Jamaica Echo Tours for Cures. And they, you can look at amazing pictures and videos and other things of past trips to Jamaica. Uh, if you're interested in, in, in going on a trip like this, you can certainly contact us and we'll get you the information right away. And um, very excellent and fun trip. And uh, you can learn a lot and have a nice vacation all at the same time, particularly no, if you It's a beautiful
0: beach area, just gorgeous, and hiking up in the mountains, uh, learning directly from our staff, as well as local native Jamaican bush doctors who are very knowledgeable, direct students of Shamba of the Maroons, who has now passed on, but we're so lucky to have worked with him for so many years and talk about him along with pictures that he dictated to us exactly how to share his information in our book, The Natural Medicine Chest. And so, this is and- his
1: 10th anniversary. 10th anniversary oh my God. is it really crossing over?
0: Oh yeah. my gosh. Uh, how does the news go so fast?
1: So we're going to be making a new plaque placard. because uh, we have a placard up where he would do a lot of his work at the, we, we call it the point but it's getting a little bit beaten with the Caribbean sun. So we're going to bring down a new placard in his honor and have a little drumming and ceremony um, and thank him because he has appeared to us in in a fire. We have pictures of this, which if you, if you want to see him appear as a fire spirit, um, <laughs> it's pretty incredible to see these pictures. You that can is. see them on the website or on the Facebook page which is uh Jamaica EcoTours for Cures.
0: Well, until next time, this is Ellen Kamai, the natural nurse.
1: And Dr. Z, we always like to say, stay healthy. Stay healthy. healthy. Bye. <laughs>